0: Welcome to the podcast of the Sunday morning worship service of the Heartland Church of the Nazarene. We're a community of faith learning to love God and our neighbors as ourselves. Welcome home. Today's sermon text is from Luke 23:32 through 43. The passage will be on the screen for you or if you like, please turn to Luke 21, oh, 23 in your bible two others also who were criminals were led away to be put to death with him when they came to the place that is called the skull they crucified jesus there with the criminals one on his right and one on his left then jesus said father forgive them for they for they do not know what they are doing and they cast lots to divide his clothing and the people stood by watching but the leaders scoffed at him saying he saved others Let him save himself if he is the Messiah of God, his chosen one. The soldiers also mocked him, coming up and offering him sour wine and saying, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was also an inscription over him, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who were hanged there kept deriding him and saying, Are you not the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed have been condemned justly, for we are getting what we deserve for our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. He replied, truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise.
1: This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Sam. Well, like I said to the kids, today is Christ the King Sunday, and it's the end of this church year, and next Next week will be the beginning of a new church year. We, we retell the story of Jesus' life, his birth, his life, his death, his resurrection, kind of all over again, uh, using different parts of the Bible. Uh, I, I say that just to kind of remind us of where we are, but, but at the same time to say that like we have one story as the church. Our one story as the church is the salvation that we have through the goodness of God to us through Jesus Christ his life, his death, his resurrection, our hope for his coming again. So that's kind of where we are, and it's why we kind of orient our, our teaching and our preaching in this kind of way, because it's imperative, it's imperative that our lives are oriented around this particular story, uh, because it shapes us into who we are, who we're supposed to be, who Christ is calling us to be. Uh, rather than kind of any other story that might uh, that might be around to shape our our lives. Anyway, more on that probably in a later time. We've been following Luke's gospel as we have kind of gone through this year. We've uh, we started out uh, last Advent with Luke's gospel. We we went through it a little bit. We picked up his companion story Acts for just a little bit. Uh, we went off in some other directions, and then this fall we came back to Luke's gospel and we have a walking with Jesus uh, towards Jerusalem. We've said at the very beginning that this story that Luke has been writing was always going to one particular place. It is always going to Jerusalem and the cross. Well, as we've been following along, Luke's readers, and us as well, have become fully convinced that Jesus is, in fact, Jesus the Messiah, the Christ, the Anointed One, Uh, The people that the Jewish people have been waiting for to bring salvation, not just for Israel, but for the entire world as well. Uh, We have been convinced of this. Now, the antagonists in Luke's story, the Pharisees, the scribes, um, even the Romans at this particular point, uh, they're not so sure that Jesus is who he says he is. Their understanding, their expectation, their hope, for what God's Messiah looks like is vastly different than Jesus' understanding of what God's Messiah looks like. What, what the religious leaders and what uh, the scribes and Pharisees were hoping Jesus would do, Jesus has not done. And so it's gotten him in significant amounts of trouble. Uh, this, this antagonism, today so they are trying to get rid of him. Uh, actively. We've seen that over the last couple of weeks, stories to try to uh, trap him, questions to try to trap him. And so they are really, really happy when Judas comes to them. Judas is one of Jesus's 12 disciples. When Judas comes to them and says, I will give you Jesus, I will hand Jesus over to you, and they pay him 30 pieces of silver for that, for that little bit. Overall, though, uh, it leads to his arrest and his trial and his crucifixion, and we're going to tell a little part of that story today. Uh, but through that, through that movement towards ultimately the final chapter of this book, and there's one question that has been the predominant question, and that question is one of Jesus' authority, right? It's a central question. Is Jesus who he says he is? Is Jesus who the Jewish people are hoping for and longing for to bring about salvation for them? and for the entire world. In fact, if we were to have read the, the narrative that, that precedes this, that, that talks about the, the arrest and trial, over and over again, people will ask Jesus, are you the Messiah? Are you the Son of God? And for Jesus' part, he never gives them a straight answer. Uh, it's, it's maddening. It's like when you ask your kid something, right? And they're like, how was your day? No, not no, it's, it's fine. What would you do today? Nothing. Right? It's kind of that kind of question, right? Now, Jesus, I'm not saying Jesus is a you know a bratty teenager in this particular moment, but he's lived his life in such a way. He has spoken in such a way to reveal his true nature to these people, and they should know at this point. In fact, I kind of think that they do know, and that's part of the reason, because he hasn't met their expectations, that they want to see him dead and gone. So with Story goes on. He uh, he is arrested. He is beaten and flogged and taken along with two other criminals to a place that Luke tells us is called uh, the place of the skull or the skull Golgotha, in some of the the uh, the gospels. It's a hill outside of Jerusalem and it's a prominent hill and people can see it. And there he is hung on a cross between these two. A couple of things here. One, crucifixions were, well, they were reserved for people who had been particularly uh, heinous in their crimes. They were reserved for for murderers and the despicable people of society. They were also reserved for those who had committed treasonous acts. And so they, this is a particularly brutal form of punishment. Uh, It's a slow and painful way to die. Uh, they would have done a couple of things. They would have had this crucifixion, this execution, in a uh, a very visible place. A uh, hill outside the city, maybe by a road. This is, people are coming and going. And they had this in a visible place because they wanted everybody to see that this is what happens when you mess with the Roman Empire. This is what happens when you claim to be a king, and you aren't really one. This is what happens when you try to overthrow the government, or whatever it is uh, these other criminals have done. Uh, to, to further that, not just to, to humiliate them and, and throw them up here, um, they would have also put a sign over top of uh, the head of the person being executed. And, of course, Luke tells us that this is exactly what happens. And the inscription on this sign is, King of the Jews. King of the Jews. Now, obviously, uh, Jewish people were ruled by the Roman Empire and for the Romans and for those who were trying to stay alive in the Jewish nation, uh, you had no king but the emperor. So to claim to be a king was, well, it was it was an act of treason. It would get you in trouble. So here Jesus hangs uh, between two criminals with a sign above his head that says, here is the king. Of the Jews. It's in this context that uh, that Jesus begins. He utters, "Well, here I got a picture. There we go. Kind of dark uh, in tone and content matter, for that matter." Um, it's here in, in, in this context that Jesus utters these words, right? Probably some of his most famous words. That Jesus said, "Father, forgive them." For they don't know, do not know what they are doing. Uh, it's, it's. Maybe you've heard these words a lot. If you've been a part of the Christian faith for a while, uh, these are words that that come around every Easter, right? Good Friday, we we tell the story. We hear these words of Jesus, and, and maybe they've lost a little bit of their edge. But but I want you to think. Look at that picture and think to yourselves. Let that soak in for a second. In the midst of being flogged and beaten, spat upon, having a thorn, a crown of thorns poked onto his head. If you've ever just even got your thumb on a thorn, you know how painful that is, right? Imagine having that thing jammed down on your head. In the midst of that, in the midst of having nails driven into your hand or wrist and in your feet, And then being flung up uh, to hang there, and and, and, like your weight would have been on your arms here, and and it would have been really, really tough to breathe. And in fact, a lot of people think the way you die when you are crucified is that you suffocate to death. So it takes quite a bit of a long time. So, So in the middle of that pain, in the middle of that agony, Jesus says, forgive me don't know what they're doing. Do you understand the radical nature of those words? That Jesus isn't just saying to somebody that like, he's been close to, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing, as in it's an accident. But he's saying to the very people who have done these things to him, Father, forgive them. We remember that we've been saying all along that Luke's gospel is written from an apocalyptic perspective. We said this word apocalyptic just means to reveal, right? It It is in this moment. It is in this act, these words, this moment, that Jesus continues and profoundly continues to reveal to us the true nature of the kingdom of God. That he reveals to us the true nature of his understanding of what it means to be king of the world and the universe. The kingdom of God is most assuredly not about Kingdom of God is about love and forgiveness, grace, hospitality. It is about all of those things that we have been saying uh, almost all year, especially in the fall, as we've been been opening our eyes to see Jesus reveal to us the nature of the Kingdom of God through His teaching and His actions. Yeah, he utters these words. And, and, and while that is happening, the soldiers uh, who have participated in this uh, execution are huddled around at the base of the cross. Luke tells us that they are throwing dice to split up what little possessions he might have had. Probably the purple robe they had put on him at there They don't care, they don't understand. While, while they are doing that the, the religious leaders and some of the peoples are standing by and they are saying to him he saved others let him save himself as he is the, if he is the Messiah of God the chosen one again there's this question this question this mocking question if in fact you are who you say you are Jesus, then you should be able to do something to save yourself from this predicament that you find yourself in. I don't think they're really expecting him to do it, right? And they're just mocking. Save yourself. Finally, he's got two criminals on either side, right? One of the criminals, he's he's like, "I, I don't care, I don't care what's happening, I'm dying. Jesus, if you are the Messiah, are you not the Messiah? Save yourself and us, right? He's not really concerned about Jesus saving himself. He only really wants, maybe, not to die in the slow, painful death that he's dying. Again, the question is: If you are the Messiah, if you are truly Christ, the King, if you are truly the Savior of the world, God's Anointed One, then you should be able—you should be able to do. Every time, though, Jesus uh, Jesus refuses, right? He refuses to do this. And, and in fact, if we, we think back, and I think that Luke wants us to think back, all the way back to chapter 4 of this gospel, and, and it's right before he 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 begins his ministry, Jesus goes out into the wilderness for 40 days and he fasts. He doesn't eat anything or doesn't drink anything. And he's out there, and at the end of the 40 days, when he is at his absolute weakest tells us the, the devil comes to him and tempts him, right? He wants him to take a stone and turn it into bread. Uh, he wants him to uh, to jump off the highest point in the temple. And, you know, if you are the son of God, then, then God will save you. You won't even stub your little toe. He shows him all the kingdoms of the world, and he says, if you bow down to me, I will give you all of these things all of these temptations. All of these temptations are for Jesus to use his power as God's son, as God's chosen anointed one, the Messiah, the Savior of the world, as king of the universe, to serve his own needs. And every time, Jesus says no. No. My understanding of what it means to be the Messiah my understanding of what it means to be king of the kingdom of God is not to use the power that I have as God to serve myself, but to seek and to save the lost. So i got to believe at the end of this story, when he is on the cross and everybody is tempting him again, this has got to be worse than the, the wilderness story, right? right? He's He is in pain, he's bleeding, he is thirsty, he's short on breath, and you've got to believe that the temptation to use his power to serve himself is at its greatest. And yet, one final time, Jesus says, no, I will not use my power to serve myself. Uh, the other criminal on the other side, finally is like, hey, dude, leave him alone, right? He says, uh, you and I, we've broken the law. We're getting what's coming to us. We're getting what we deserve. We deserve death. It's here. It is. But this guy, like I've heard of him. He's not done anything. He's fed some people. He's healed some people. He brought a dude back from the dead. He hasn't done anything worthy of death. And then he's like, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. I don't know if this criminal truly understands what God's kingdom is about. I'm not sure it really matters. And what he understood was that there was something in Jesus that was different, that was better, that was worthy of being a participant in, and he wanted he wanted that. At the end of this little section, Jesus offers that to this man and says, today you will be with me
0: in paradise.
1: What I find so profound about the entire gospel story is, is that Jesus, instead of using his power to save himself, constantly and consistently and finally uses his power to save friend and foe alike. That when it really matters, he comes and he says, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. The consistent cry of Jesus' accusers. And I I think we get caught up in this as well. I do. I think. Say, Jesus, if you are who you say you are, or Jesus was. Save yourself. Do this act of power. I think sometimes we say, Jesus, if you are say, if you are who you say you are, then you need to do this or this or this or this for me. Right? We, we maybe don't ask Jesus to use His power to serve Himself, but we ask Jesus to use His power to serve. He constantly and consistently infuses that cry. See, it, it doesn't take any moral courage to seek to save yourself. It, you can be a coward and save yourself, right? But it takes something deeper and greater to give yourself for the sake of someone else to give up all that you have so that someone else might live. And in fact, it takes an even deeper and greater courage and love to give up yourself in that way for somebody who you consider an enemy. And this is what Jesus does. He actively gives himself for those people who are actively and intentionally working against his will and way in the world. At the end though, Jesus is revealing to us as he's been all along. He's revealing to us the nature of the kingdom of God. And the nature of the kingdom of God is not like anything we see here on earth. It is not about people or politicians using their power for their own good. The kingdom of God is about using what we have been given for the sake of those people who are around us, even, especially if they are our enemies. What seals Jesus' identity as the King of the universe, as the King of God's kingdom? This is loving, faithful, sacrifice on behalf of us who do not deserve it. We can't talk really about the crucifixion without the resurrection. We just need to know that that happens. And that's the hope that we have on all of this, that even though Jesus dies, he gets raised from the dead. I think the question for us today is what, what seals our identity as followers of Is it that through your faith or faithfulness or your obedience that you have procured salvation for yourself? Is it that we are Christian for ourselves and nobody else? Or is it that we are followers of Christ so that we can participate with Christ in his mission of redemption and forgiveness? restoration for the whole world. You may never have to call, you may never have to to give your life, your actual physical life for the sake of another person. But you, you can give of yourself in some pretty serious ways. To help people understand. So they might... They may know and become into a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's part of it, but also in the same way that they might, might have life, life abundant. So why we try to feed the poor, clothe the naked, all of those things. We're going to receive communion here. And... I think that this is important for us to do on this week and in and, and coming weeks. Because it is in this meal, right, that we retell the story we've just heard today. It is by receiving this bread and this juice that that we take into ourselves in in a weird way, right? It's a mystery. We take into ourselves these selfless love and grace God. God works through it to nourish us so that we might not so we might not be Christians for ourselves but that we might be Christians and we might be a church not for ourselves but for the people who are around us every single day
0: Thank you for listening to our Sunday morning worship service For more information about the Heartland Church of the Nazarene, please visit heartlandnaz.org.